Hey there, podcast listeners. My name is Bryant Manning, and I serve as the pastor here at the Wesley Foundation at FSU and TCC. We are a campus ministry of the United Methodist Church on the campus of Florida State University here in Tallahassee, Florida. These sermons that we're presenting here are designed, written, and presented for college students who are exploring their lives of faith and growing in their walk with Jesus. And our hope and prayer is that you too will be inspired by these messages, that you will learn something about the scriptures, and that you'll leave with your life transformed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for listening. I want to give a message today titled Hope in the Angst. Come on, let's say that together. Hope in the Angst. Somebody define angst for me. Anybody? Okay, we're getting there. Worry, yeah. Dread, anxiety, yeah. Hope in the angst. Hope in the angst. Did you notice that I think I pulled this thing up? It will fall down in just a second again. I want to take us to a passage of scripture that uh, we often, honestly, we don't read from. See, there it goes. Come on, there it goes. This is going to be a, and there you go. And all the way to the bottom. Okay, so it's not quite. I'll help you. So uh, we're going to read a passage of scripture that we don't often read from. Uh, a lot of times here, we'll, we'll read from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, we'll read from one of Paul's letters. Somebody give me an example of one of Paul's letters. Corinthians, Philippians, yeah, anything else? Anything from the right side of this group, yeah. No, okay. Ephesians, yes. Lots of letters from Paul. Uh, we read a lot of the New Testament here. We don't often read a lot of the Old Testament, although we should. And, and uh, today I want to take us to Isaiah. Say Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah is a what? Prophet. Yeah, say that louder with enthusiasm. Isaiah, yes, prophet. Somebody tell me what a prophet is. Somebody who has visions from God. Somebody who, who even more, could we even say, speaks on God's behalf. Speaks in between uh, God and us. Back in the day when Israel, uh, the ancient Israel, the biblical Israel we're talking about. When Israel was kind of settling down, they wanted to be ruled. They needed to be ruled. So they were ruled by kings. Kings, because everybody else had a king. They had to have a king. God said they don't need a king. And they said, we want a king. And they had this argument back and forth with God. They ended up having a king. Didn't go so well. And then later on, they were kind of ruled and organized by prophets. These are voices from God that are helping them be the people that God wants them to be. Isaiah is one of the major prophets. We've got major and minor prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah is one of the major prophets. Prophets, and, and I'm going to read something. Something I also don't do a lot. I'm going to read from a a paraphrase, not necessarily a translation. And this is important because if you've ever been to Bible study with me, you'll know that I like to read a bunch of different translations because we read English, but these were not originally read or written in English. And so we read a bunch of translations to kind of see what nuances we can find in the different language. This, though, is a paraphrase, meaning that the person took the Greek and the Hebrew, and instead of trying to do a literal translation. They just did a paraphrase. It puts it into more modern language, but I wanted you to know that before we read this uh, because it is important to have uh, kind of biblical accuracy. This is from Isaiah 64, and it's a little long, so settle in. Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and descend. This is Isaiah talking to God. 
Make the mountains shudder at your presence, as when a forest catches fire, as when fire makes a pot to boil, to shock your enemies into facing you, make the nations shake in their boots. You did terrible things we never expected, descended and made the mountains shudder at your presence. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who happily do what is right, who keep a good memory of the way you work. But how angry you've been with us, exclamation point. We've sinned and kept at it so long. Is there any hope for us, I hope? Is there any hope for us? Can we be saved? We're all sin-infected, sin-contaminated. Our best efforts are grease-stained rags. That's actually putting it pretty lightly. A lot of other translations go a whole different direction. We dry up with autumn leaves, sin-dried. We're blown off by the wind. No one prays to you or makes the effort to reach out to you because you've turned away from us. Let us to stew in our sins. Still, God, you are our Father. We are the clay and you're our potter. All of us are what you made us. Don't be too angry with us, O God. Don't keep a permanent account of wrongdoing. Keep in mind, please, we are your people, all of us. Your holy cities are all ghost towns. Zion's a ghost town. Jerusalem's a field of weeds. Our holy and beautiful temple, which our ancestors filled with your praises, was burned down by fire. All our lovely parks and gardens are in ruins. In the face of all of this, are you going to sit there unmoved, God? Aren't you going to say something? Haven't you made us miserable, Long enough. Have you ever noticed that life is a matter of ups and downs, right? Like you go through these periods that are just like, man, my life is flying high right now, right? Like let's say you're a freshman in college. You remember back to your, your the beginning of your freshman year and you were like, you were probably a little bit nervous, but you were also like stoked to kind of be here. A lot of us like really live into this like, oh, here we go. We are like out of the house kind of final thing. Like we're, you're in that. And then you hit your like first roadblock, right? And for some of us, that's a relationship. For some of us, that's a test. For some of us, it's a, I am not going to be in this major anymore, right? Like there are some, there's a first roadblock and all of a sudden you start to think about these other things. Well, should I just drop out? Should I just leave? I kid you not, when I was in college, uh, I was at that point, I didn't realize that I was at that point, but I was at that point mentally where things just weren't going my way and uh, I was no longer excited to be there. And I went to the, don't judge me, Taco Bell on campus. Yeah, there was a Taco Bell on campus. I went to the Taco Bell on campus and I ordered something and they got the com- order completely wrong because it's Taco Bell. And I was so upset. I literally took it back to my dorm room and I was like, I'm leaving this place. Like, it was like the, the Taco Bell was the like, that was the catalyst, right? That was the like straw. And it was like, in hindsight, that was, why, why are you so mad about it? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just sour cream. You know what I'm saying? But like at the time, I was like, it's over. There, there are moments in our life where we go like this ups and downs, yeah? I've noticed this with uh, Florida State fandom. I don't know if you're a part of any of the Facebook groups. Don't join them. Uh, But like the Knowles only or like go Seminoles or like we're going to kick your butt. You know, like those Facebook groups. And if you join one of those Facebook groups, uh, they, during the game, can we just say, a lot of people don't have faith in uh, the Reverend Dr. Mike, you know. 
he's Mr. Norvell to you. Uh, a lot of them don't have faith in like Trey Benson. I remember there was somebody last, the Gator game, you're familiar. Uh, last week, Trey, he was running up the middle, man, the whole game, and they just had his number, kind of like, like most of last night too. And somebody said, sit Trey. Bro, that guy had three touchdowns by the end of the game, right? But nobody knew that uh, until that point, and a lot of us just gave up because we go on these highs and lows, and we'll, we'll be super excited about the nose. Oh my gosh, he's the best player. We deserve to be in the championship, right? And then all of a sudden, like, oh yeah, we should sit him. Like, what are they doing? Why are they running the ball? Like, they're, you know what I'm saying? It goes up and down, up and down. This is the way we are as people. It also is the way that our relationship is with God. Because you've probably had moments where you're like flying high. You're in a high space. Everything's good. We literally talk about them as mountaintop experiences because that's how they were experienced in the Old Testament. These, these like high moments, sometimes they're on retreats or maybe they're uh, working in, a, in, in an environment where like you're just surrounded by the Holy Spirit all the time. And so it's just, you're just there, right? You're there until that first roadblock comes. And then all of a sudden like, oh, man, I don't even know if I believe this stuff anymore, right? Like it happens all the time. We go in this up and down thing. I think it's pretty helpful for us when we read the scriptures to put ourselves in the place of the people that were there. Put ourselves in the place of the people who were writing this stuff, the people who were a part of that community, the people who are listening to Isaiah's words. We want to put ourselves in that place. And I want to give you some permission here because if you've ever had doubts about your relationship with God or even God's existence, I want you to know that you're not alone. It is throughout the scriptures. Read some of the Psalms, man. David says some mean things to God and about God. And the same thing happens here. Do you, do you see what happened here? Um, uh, let's go to this, Emma. Uh, we're gonna to go to the, our holy and beautiful temple. Our holy and beautiful temple, this is what he says, which our ancestors filled with your praises was burned down by fire. All of our lovely parks and gardens and ruins in the face of all this, are you going to sit there unmoved, God? If I had said that to my parent, what do you think would have happened? If you said that to your parent, I'm dealing, you're not even gonna say anything? You're not even gonna move? That's what he says. Are you going to sit there unmoved, God? Aren't you going to say something? Haven't you made us miserable long enough? Haven't you made us miserable long enough? I wanna give you some background about this, kind of where they were at this point. Uh, Israel exists, okay, they enter into the promised land. It later gets split into two sides. We have a, a northern side, which still called, was called Israel, and a lower side called Judah, okay? This is out of First Kings, but just a general, general idea. You've got the north side, and you've got the southern side. The southern side is Judah. That's where Isaiah is. That's also where the temple is. And what happened is the Babylonians, they came in and they just destroyed the temple. Imagine that you spent 40 years walking in the desert looking for the promised land. You finally get to the promised land and you build this huge, huge, huge temple. 
That is where the entire world of, of your world kind of centers around, right? Worship centers around that. The literal market centered around it. Everything they did centered around this temple. And then some outside organization comes in and attacks it. Some of you were, well, less and less so these days, alive for September 11th. But it was a little bit of that feeling in September 11th, 2001. Because in, in 2001, we had an outside organization terrorist group, who came and destroyed the very center, in many ways, the center of our economy. And then they attacked our military. They were, we think, maybe headed for the White House or the Capitol, the center of our politics. There was devastation for decades because of it. That, that's kind of where they're at. The Babylonians come in, they conquer them. They actually have to leave, which is not great when you were promised that land. You know what I'm saying? So they have to leave. They have to leave their families, whatever. And they actually get split up. A lot of them end up leaving into these areas, into Moab and Edom and Philistine. They start going around trying to find places. And then what happens is in this part of Isaiah, this is chapter 64. It's kind of toward the end. At this part of Isaiah, what happens is that the, um, the Persians come in and they allow them to go back home. Yay! Sort of, except they were still occupied. And also, all of the people that were back home, they considered themselves the true Jews. And all the outside people felt like they couldn't come back in. I want you to put yourself in that seat for a second. What's your emotions? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it like... Could we say angst? A little bit, it's like, I don't know the future. I don't know. I don't know what next step is to take. I don't know if I'm welcome here. I don't know if this was the right place for me to be. I don't have control over my own life. You ever felt like this? Yeah, we feel like this all the time. You start to ask questions like this, right? You start to ask questions when you get into a space like this, especially if your mental health is not great. You get into the space where you start asking a lot of questions. Am I friends with the right people? Am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right crowds? Am I in the right world? You start to ask questions. What did I do to deserve this? Have you ever asked that of yourself? Or you start accusing yourself. What did I do to deserve this? I must have done this. That's the angst. That's the angst. You start to ask questions about who God is. It's interesting. Isaiah does recognize their sins. This is that next section, Emma. You meet those who happily do what is right, who give a good memory of the way you work, but how angry you've been with us. We've sinned and we've kept at it so long. Is there any hope for us? Say hope. Come on, come on. Say any hope? Yeah. Can we be saved? We're all sin infected, sin contaminated. Our best efforts are grease stained rags. We dry up like autumn leaves, sin dried. We're blown off by the wind and no one prays to you or makes the effort to reach out to you because you've turned away from us and you've left us to stew in our sins. If I'm being honest with you in the Methodist church and a fair amount of us are Methodists, if you're not, welcome. But Methodist church, we just don't talk about this very much. We just don't say this very much. We don't talk about our sin. 
half of our churches, like, cut the confessions out of our churches, including this one. Like, we actually, a lot of churches have this kind of corporate confession. We don't do that. We don't talk about it very much. We just kind of leave it on the side. We also, we don't believe as Methodists, I don't believe as a Methodist pastor, that God causes this harm. And that's an important distinction here, that God causes the harm that that you find yourself in or the, the angst. I don't think God causes that at all, which is probably why we avoid the topic, okay? But we still end up in that space. And I think it is interesting that he recognizes their sin. I think it could be helpful for us just to say in our lives, there are consequences for our actions. I'm not saying that God causes this, but we should admit our faults. And that's what Isaiah does. Then we get to the transition, though. He says, still God, you are our father. We're the clay, and you're our potter. All of us are what you made us. Don't be too angry with us, O God. Don't keep a permanent account of our wrongdoing. Keep in mind, please, we are your people, all of us. There often are the catalysts in our lives that take us into the downward train. The roadblock, the brick wall that happens, the relationship that goes sour, the test that doesn't come back well, the professor who just sucks. There's that roadblock there, right? There's a catalyst there in which you start that downward fall when your anxiety shoots through the roof, when your fear shoots through the roof, when you live in this world of angst, when if they get your order wrong at Taco Bell, You freak out. And when he's at that place, he says, still God, you are our father. Still God, you are the potter and we are the clay. What does that mean? It means that God is still working within your life that God is still moving and molding you, that God is going to take this thing and make it something better, that God is gonna take whatever brokenness is inside of you, whatever sin is inside of you, whatever kind of thing is going on in your life that was the catalyst to take you down here, that God's working within you, still molding you, pulling you up out of it. That's what, God is taking that sin and making something beautiful with you. See, what happened with the world is that the world had not followed God's plan. No matter how much God had outlined it, no matter how much God had said this or that or this or that, they had not followed his design and plan. And so what happened over time is God said, I need a way to fix this. I need a way to conquer this. I need a way to bring reconciliation. And instead of just saying, I'm just gonna destroy it all, what God says is maybe I'll make them new again. 
Maybe I will rescue them out of this. Maybe I will take the clay and make it something beautiful. That's what God says. So he brings forth this baby in a manger. And he says that baby is going to be the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He said, I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna bring out hope. Isaiah is the prophet that we read most often at Christmas Eve. And we read his words that are beautiful and poetic that talk about born unto us this day in the city of David is a savior called Christ the King. That's the hope. So if you find yourself in that low spot, if you find yourself kind of not knowing where the next step is, feeling the anxiety, feeling the fear, feeling the disruption in your own life, let me encourage you just to pray and maybe say what Isaiah did. God, you are the potter. I am the clay. Make me new. Ask for that catalyst to lift you back out. Because if you're angsty, there is hope. It came 2,000 years ago in a manger. And we celebrate it each year. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Wesley Foundation and FSU and TCC. We hope this was uplifting to you and helpful in your walk with Jesus. If you would like to support us, we would love your prayerful and financial support. You can give online at fsuwesley.com or on Venmo by just searching FSU Wesley Foundation. Thanks again.